This is In the Zone, your home for Salina Sports Talk. High school sports, Kansas Wesleyan and Bethany, KU, K-State, and Wichita State. Wait, is there anything these guys don't cover? You're in the zone. In my home, the home health division of OCCK is your local provider for skilled nursing, home health aid, physical speech, and occupational therapy provided in the comfort of your home. You can choose In My Home as your home health provider for quality health services. Big, big thanks to them for sponsoring us here on In the Zone. I'm Jackson Schneider, joined by James Westling. And James, another coach got fired. Just a little bit ago, David Coley, um, and I don't think it should shock anyone because I feel like he was fired the moment he was hired last year and was never really given a fair shake despite what Houston did kind of accomplish. Uh, I mean, they weren't good, obviously, but they beat some good teams and they were competing well. But he he had a he was given a failing hand. Uh, so I feel like this is a little bit of a an unfair one, but so is the NFL coaching, right? Yeah, I mean, what are the Houston Texans without Deshaun Watson? And I think we've all known that with Watson um, out of the picture that they were going to be terrible, and they're going to be terrible for a while because there's no game-changing quarterbacks in this year's NFL draft. So, man, you talk about an unfair shake, and I think that probably speaks volumes about that organization and that franchise. And I know we talked about most and least attractive jobs. This probably has to top the least uh, least attractive NFL coaching vacancy right now, even more so than the New York Giants. Um, and Speaking of Deshaun Watson, um, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with him. If he does get another shot in the NFL, I couldn't tell you where they're at with his court case. I know that they're doing everything they can to delay it and stall it, but he's starting to put himself a little bit more out there after he went into hiding for basically the entire season. He's been seen publicly. He's been more active on social media. So, you know, he's a he's in terms of big-time quarterbacks – you know, he doesn't end up in Denver by any means, in my opinion. But when we're talking about guys like Kirk Cousins or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers, guys that have implied they might be ready for a fresh start, you have to throw Deshaun Watson into the conversation, I think. I think you probably do. I. Where does Houston rank, though? We talked yesterday about, like, the most favorable and or unfavorable landing spots for coaches. Because I don't feel like it can be good, right? Because of the Deshaun Watson situation and with the lack of talent supporting that. Like, who wants that job? I mean, I'm sure there will be somebody that wants to be an NFL head coach, but that is a gross situation to walk into. And they don't just have issues at the quarterback position. They were dead last in the NFL in rushing. They don't have any tailbacks. They don't have an offensive line. Remember, they traded J.J. Watt for basically peanuts because he wanted out of Houston so bad. And they, in fact, didn't they just cut him? If I remember right, they just let him walk uh, because of everything he had done for the organization. Bill O'Brien was a coach that actually had some success with the Texans, but that was with Deshaun Watson at quarterback. And the NFL, there's just so much parity, and this is what makes the league so fun. You can go from being in the conversation for a Super Bowl like the Texans were just a couple of years ago when they were playing the Chiefs in the playoffs and the red-hot team to completely the bottom of the barrel in the National Football League.
Is it fair to say that when the Chiefs were down 24 to nothing in early in the second quarter and then led by halftime that they broke the Texans? Because they haven't been the same since. You're right. No, I think you can definitely make that argument. You can definitely make that case. Uh, Deshaun Watson, was that the last game that he played before all this broke, or did he play another season after no, that? I, you know, I don't remember. I don't either. I can't recall. It's all kind of a blur. I feel like it might have been, but let me see if I can did, pull Well, it Did up. he play last year in the COVID year? He no. did. He did didn't? he? I don't think he did. Did he? Who shows think. how good we are at all of this. Let's see. To be stats. fair, the COVID year is, is so hard to it's remember. It's all blended, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, how many years has he been out of the league? Has it been one or two? Well, he did play in 2020 for 16 games. They went 4-12. and 12. So, yeah, he did play. He did not play this year, obviously. So they were 4-12 and 12 so, even with him at quarterback. Yes. Which tells you how bad they are even around him. Yeah. That's uh, that's pretty gross. Uh, pity, I pity whoever takes over that situation because it's not going to be fun. And it's going to be a long and arduous rebuild because there's a lot of junk you got to get out of there uh, to start performing well because they literally don't have anything. And I don't feel like they have a lot of draft picks either. I don't know. And, and now Deshaun Watson has no value. You could have traded him when he was in his prime during the COVID year and at least got a first and a third and probably a first, a third, and even like a fourth or a fifth. You could have gotten three picks for him. And now... Nobody wants him. No, and they they shouldn't. And this, we we keep having so much stuff that we want to talk about, and then we run out of time. But we got to get to Brian Haney, so we'll take a break, and when we come back, we'll wrap up the show with Brian, and then we'll continue this discussion to wrap up the week tomorrow. But we'll be back in a moment here on eleven fifty KSAL and one hundred six point seven FM. Welcome back to In the Zone here on Sports Radio 1150 KSAL. I'm Jackson Schneider, and I'm pleased to be joined by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney. And Brian, we talked to you last week looking ahead to Saturday's contest at Texas Tech, and you were the first to tell us about that Texas Tech defense. And I want to start there because they surprised KU a little bit, I think, and ultimately came out with the win. Uh, but, but I feel like Tech is really starting to... Uh, come into their own under Mark Adams. And I, I want to start there before we get into the Jayhawks. So can you just tell me a little bit about that game on Saturday with, with the Red Raiders and, and what you saw? Well, you know, it's what we thought he would bring in terms of the architect of their great defensing, defensive pressure and defending style that got them all the way to the national title game in 2019. And some people may have thumbed their nose at the hire because he's 66 and in the twilight of his career. And, you know, some tech fans maybe wanted another guy with longer term trajectory like a Chris Beer. But the bottom line is he provided continuity with the existing roster. He carried over the defensive principles that made them as great as they were when they were at their best. And now armed with a $32 million brand spanking new practice facility that I had a chance to tour while we were down there. I mean, Texas Tech is here to stay. And, uh, 
it'll be interesting to see what it looks like the rest of the season, what their next recruiting class looks like. But he did really well in the portal. They had four transfer portal starters to where when we found out they were going to be down their top two scores, you still were leery of what they could bring because you know, we saw Bryson Williams firsthand when he was at UTEP back in March. He came to Allen Fieldhouse and went for 23 and 13 against us. And he's now one of their stars. And so I think while some Kansas fans you know, heard that they'd be down two guys, thought, okay, well, we dodged a bullet. We'll get this win and move on down the line. Uh, you know, those of us that know Mark Adams and, and know a little bit about the depth on this roster, we're still pretty fearful of what the game would include. Having said that, I still expected Kansas to win. I still expected our Jayhawks to find a way to pull it out. And it was one of those days where they kind of bully-balled us in some regards. Our, our little guards got exposed a bit by stronger, more physical guard play. Bill Self would tell you that we weren't getting the 50-50 balls, something he demands 70% of. And, uh, and defensively, you know, just a lot of breakdowns. And, and we were never truly able to get over that hump. To be fair, it was also a really tough whistle. And, you know, I'd never get on here and complain about officiating or anything like that. But, man, there were a lot of head-scratching calls that when you're already trying to climb out of an eight-point hole and then you have things go against you like we saw for Kansas, um, it's pretty tough to climb all the way back. But the Jayhawks dug themselves that hole to begin with, and so we can't make excuses in that regard. But uh, I don't think any of us should be surprised, ultimately, that, that that was a loss for Kansas. Maybe because they were down a couple of players and Tech was playing shorthanded. That's the element of surprise. But a lot of good teams are going to go in there and lose this year based on Mark Adams' defensive prowess. And that's about to be a top 10 team when the new polls come out next week. And, you know, I think that, um, you know, for Kansas fans going forward, you got to include Texas Tech as one of the contenders and threats to the throne here in the Big 12. They did us a huge favor by beating the Bears in Waco on Tuesday. Uh, but now we have to start cheering against Tech on a nightly basis because they really are that good. And with all the transfers, they're a veteran team as well. And to be honest, Jackson, they just wanted it more on that particular day, which you rarely see. And I think that's something that was a sobering, look-yourself-in-the-mirror type moment for Kansas that, uh, that clearly got the team's attention because Bill Self said that Sunday practice that followed the loss was their single best practice of the entire year. So that's definitely a good sign that they got the message through loud and clear. And obviously they were able to back it up with a you know last second win versus Iowa State. And I'm sure we'll talk about that next. Yep, that you beat me to it. It's like you've done this for a while, Brian. <laughs> but yeah, that leads me to Tuesday. I mean, that game, I got to catch maybe the last three minutes of it, which might have been the best part or really all you needed to see with as close as it was during that stretch and then the hectic finish and the win for the Jayhawks there down to the very end I mean it was a thriller but can you take me through that game for those that might not have seen it in its entirety and just how it all led to that hectic last 30 seconds and then the Jayhawks winning because of a great play from Dewan Harris yeah, well, in the same way that Tech was shorthanded on Saturday, KU was shorthanded on Tuesday. No Remy Martin. He aggravated his knee injury uh, on Monday in practice. He banged it again. And so, you know, we're hopeful he'll come back Saturday, but you just don't know. And then Zach Clements suffered a toe injury that was bad enough that he was in a boot. And so you were down a couple of guys. And because of that, against another really good defensive team. As good as Tech is, eighth nationally, only allowing 37% opponent shooting, 
Iowa State's only allowing 39% opponent shooting, so they're right there nipping at their heels. And, and we saw Kansas turn it over a lot. We saw Iowa State score off those live ball turnovers. And to be frank with you, we saw Dewan struggle a lot. It was not a good game for Dewan Harris uh, for the first 30 minutes or so of the game. But he had several clutch free throws. He ended up going six for six from the strike. Hit a big runner with about 2.52 to go when Kansas was in desperate need of a bucket. And then, of course, the game-winning shot. And it's kind of one of those um, poetic justice you know, type moments where – yeah, he's the kid who we've told you on previous episodes, he just flat out makes winning plays. And he may not be much to look at. He's only a 160-pound soaking wet, skinny, scrawny guy that, as I mentioned, got bullied versus Texas Tech's Clarence Nadolny on Saturday. And at times got beat defensively versus Iowa State and their guards. But at the end of the day, he's got a lot of moxie. And, and, he, and he knows you know where to be, right place, right time. Like we saw a week earlier when he made that steal laying on the ground in Stillwater, which was, according to Bill Self, the best basketball play he ever saw. So here's Dewan on a day where he'd had four turnovers, he fouled a guy on a three-point shot, had multiple defensive letdowns as well. And every time I'm looking to the bench, I'm looking at Self, and Self is like, Juan, what are you doing? Juan, why? You know, And I'm relaying this over the air because – I try to never editorialize on the broadcast. It's much easier to just describe Bill Self's reaction to the officials or Bill Self's reaction to his players than, than to be self-analytical you know, ourselves. So um, he, was, he was kind of at his wit's end, but keep in mind, there was no Remy Martin to put in in place of him. And Bobby Pettiford had just gotten back. This was his first game since December the 3rd. He'd only been practicing for a couple of days, and Self just didn't feel like he could put him out there for extended minutes. So despite all the mistakes, Dewan plays 37 minutes, and I say poetic justice because, you know, in some instances this Kansas team is deep enough that if a guy's struggling, like we've had at the five position, Self just pushes a button and gets somebody else in there and, and keeps pushing and keeps uh, pulling strings until he gets a combination that works. In this case, we didn't have other options, and he had to allow Dewan to play through his mistakes. And so the fact that Dewan was able to rise above that rise above what I think he would tell you was his worst game of the season over the first 30 minutes. And yet it winds up being the biggest moment of his career to date, hitting the game winner against a top 15 team and, and making sure Bill Self doesn't have a, a 16th loss all time in Allen Fieldhouse, an astounding 95% home court winning percentage. And just imagine if like Roy Williams is back for the first time in two decades and we lose in a final minute, one point nail biter, that would have stunk. But Dewan made sure that wasn't going to happen. And for him to have the guts and the toughness, the intestinal fortitude to step up and deliver when a lot of things had been going against him, it just speaks to, to what a tough and, and mentally strong-minded young man this is uh, because, you know, a lot of other guys would have wilted after, you know, some of the mistakes that were made earlier in the game and how much the coaches were getting on him and all that. And so I tip my cap to him, and I hope that's one of those real springboard moments of growth for him where he can go back and look at that the next time he faces adversity and remember how he turned some negatives into the biggest of positives. And hopefully that's a sign of great things to come for DeJuan Harris. And we're talking with Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks. And Brian, uh, this is a Kansas offense that was red hot heading into Big 12 play, but lately uh, 
kind of struggled to find that same rhythm. Would you say that's more of just the the Big 12 conference and what those teams can do to kind of slow Kansas's weapons than it is Kansas struggling itself? Or how would you evaluate the uh, offense here over the last few games in, in conference play? Well, I think that, you know, what we just talked about with the Tech and Iowa State defense has to be mentioned first and foremost. Mm-hmm. And that's not making excuses. That's giving credit where it's due. I mean, these, these are two of the top ten defenses in the country that KU just played in back-to-back games. So let's put that out there first. Secondly, we don't have anything going at the five spot, and that's obvious. That's the elephant in the room. And I wish we had a guy the size of an elephant that played good, because right <laughs> now we don't. <laughs> and uh, we got a lot of options, and Bill Self's still pulling strings. Just started K.J. Adams the other night. He gave Kansas 10 good minutes. But, you know, it's one of those deals with David McCormick where after the huge game a week ago versus Oklahoma State when he went for 17 points and 15 rebounds, he struggled at Tech. He struggled early in the Iowa State game, and Self didn't put him in until the seven-minute mark in the second half. It was one point where I wasn't sure he was coming in at all in the second half. And he made a huge block with about 142 to go. It was one of his best contributions all season. And then, unfortunately, there was an illegal screen call that ended up being a turnover, and Self pulled him right after that. Bless his heart, he's trying so hard. Uh, but, but the inconsistency has forced the coach's hand to, to try to shake it up. And obviously, we saw Mitch start for a couple of games. But the, the fact that we have such a question mark at that spot is as big a factor in what you're getting at with your question of, of you know, what's happened to this red-hot offense. We got great scorers. We got great shooters on the wing, great dribble penetrators. But you got to have balance, and you have to be able to score in the post, too. That's what made that 2020 team so dangerous before the pandemic brought the season to a screeching halt. I mean, Yudoka Azubuki was averaging 2.5 dunks a game. You could just lob it up, and whether he dunked it or caught it and, and, and scored with a little jump hook, but he, he was twice in his career the, the leader nationally in field goal percentage. And it was such a weapon inside. We don't have that right now. And unfortunately, the guy that has to become that for Kansas has been significantly inconsistent. And behind David McCormick, there isn't much that makes you think this is a Final Four team from the five position because Mitch is an excellent complimentary player. I don't think he's a lead dog five man when you got to go up against Oscar Shibway and Kentucky, if you catch my drift. Yep. And, and maybe that's the game we circle right now, by the way. It's still three weeks away, but, but maybe that's the one we circle and say, you know, this is where David's got to come out of his shell in the mano a mano, big brute versus big brute, you know, beast on the block type thing. <laughs> matchup this is where he's got to come alive and, and maybe he will and that'll be a springboard but in some of these other matchups where uh you know has it favored big men based on all the little players on the floor and the, and the speed and the pacing and all that uh you know we've seen him struggle to get a rhythm we've seen him force it at times we've seen him try too hard <laughs> bless his heart and and it's kind of made you start to wonder about the ceiling of this Kansas team as it's built right now Bill Self said it. This is not Brian Haney saying this. This is Coach Self. We will not scratch the surface of our ultimate potential unless David realizes his. We can't be as good as we're going to be unless David is as good as he can be. Because the truth of the matter is, you know, your, your two most talented bigs are both freshmen, uh, one of which just suffered a toe injury, can miss multiple games, and, and they're both a little too green. And, and Mitch is what Mitch is going to be six years in. 
he's not a guy that, that's going to be, you know, a five-star, five-man that, that puts the team on his back. That doesn't mean he won't still make significant contributions. And he could have a, a Sasha Khan davidson type game, if you remember his contributions in the Elite Eight where he kind of came out of the woodwork and had one big game that propelled Kansas one round farther, and that could be Mitch. But in terms of a game-in, game-out guy at the five spot to provide balance and not just make this a jump-shooting slasher-driver team, it's going to have to be Big Dave. And he's going to have to find a way to, to fight through some adversity, and part of that is getting more minutes on the floor, being able to play through some of that. But the other part of it is just getting off to a better start to where he doesn't force coach self to have to pull it. And, and that's, you know, that's just the cold, hard truth of where we're at right now. This is still the number nine team in the country. This is still one of the top two or three best coaches in America. For my money, he's the best. And so in Bill, we trust. He'll get it going. But if you're asking, you know, why haven't they looked the same these first couple of weeks? Well, the defenses have been really good. And, and we got a pretty significant question mark at the five spot. It's going to take some time to iron out. But the good news is we still have 15 games to go in league. You still got that Kentucky game, and we still have Bill Self on the sidelines. And I got a feeling he's going to find a way to put it together. This team won't have the makeup that 2020 had entering Selection Sunday because you don't have that backline rim protector and rim finisher like Udoka. But there's a lot of other really exciting components of this team that over the next six weeks – should round into impressive form and still give you a chance to go to the final four. But that right now looms the largest. And, and until they figure that out, you're going to see Kansas on a lot of, you know, two and three seed lines, as opposed to, you know, Joe Lenardi had him as the number two overall national seed before the loss in Lubbock. And they kind of got exposed a little bit there. So getting back to that perch is going to take getting some answers solved in the post. And those answers can start to come possibly as early as Saturday, right? I mean, you get back in the saddle right away against another strong Big 12 team in West Virginia. You get the benefit of doing that again in Allen Fieldhouse. So is that an opportunity to kind of turn things in that direction? I mean, West Virginia, I mean, traditionally under Bob Huggins is a very physical, strong team with big bodies. I mean, is that the opportunity that Kansas needs? Yeah, you know, I, I think it could be. It'll be interesting to see how much they extend pressure and what self does with lineup combinations, how much he chooses to play small, that kind of thing. Uh, it's not quite what it was when they had Culver and Shibway side by side, because you're right, this used to be the backyard brawl type game. And, and they've still got some physicality, but not quite what it was. So I'll be interested to see what, what those combinations look like. But yes, this is going to be a huge test. And I think they're the most underrated team in the league. Why? Because to me, they're an upper echelon top half of the big 12 team. And yet they're the only top half team that doesn't have a number next to their name. Everybody else is ranked uh, amongst the top half teams, five of them, in fact. So this, if you could squeeze six teams into the top half, <laughs> I'd be putting them there because I, in my mind, all along, they were there. They've backed it up with a 13 and two start to the season. But everybody's talking about Iowa State, and everybody's talking about Baylor, and, and rightfully so. And, and after the last six days, everybody's talking about Texas Tech. That makes West Virginia sneaky, scary good. And, and that makes you know, Kansas fans need to rise up and be aware of how tough this game's going to be and know that Huggins, you know, while he's never won in here, He's had so many close calls in here. I know you were on campus for the, the amazing uh, you know, down 14 with 245 to go 
game where Devontae yep. Graham wheeled us back in 2017. And, you know, it, it, it's been a, a battle every time, it seems like. Um, there was the famous game where I think we shot like 35 free throws and they had two and he got ejected and, and rightfully so because he was fired up about that and had, had good reason to be upset. But the point is, it's it's always entertaining when Huggy Bear comes to town and this is a good team that nobody's talking about and I think Kansas fans need to uh, to dial in and bring it strong as a sixth man on Saturday because it's going to be a fight just like Tuesday night was. And hopefully this one won't come down to another Maylox moment and a necessary game winner at the buzzer type moment. But if it does, thankfully we got a little bit of, a, of a experience now in close games. Again, we're joined by the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, Brian Haney. And Brian, I, I got to mention the other Kansas Jayhawk basketball team because Coach Brandon Schneider and the Lady Jayhawks got a huge road win last night over number 12-ranked Texas in overtime. And it seems like they're, start, they're starting to be this trend of Jayhawks winning over Texas in overtime, but a huge one for Kansas last night. Yeah, I don't think Jared Casey was on the floor, but the, the ghost <laughs> of Jared Casey or the magic of him was in the building. And uh, great to see them continue what was a hot start before some COVID postponements and cancellations that really put the program on pause for a bit. But they're up to 11-2 and two overall. They're 2-1 and one in the conference. And, you know, he's felt for a while that this is the best team he's had in his seven seasons here. And, and we've seen some hot starts in non-play before that then wasn't backed up in the league. He feels like they've got the horses to, to make it happen now in league play and, and possibly put this team in the NCAA tournament. So, so excited for Brandon. Uh, and they've been through a lot with, with injuries and, and some players that didn't work out in previous seasons. It looks like the stars are aligning for their most competitive year in his entire tenure. And, and if that leads to a postseason berth in the NCAA tournament, wouldn't that be huge for this program? That it really does, for all intents and purposes, seem like they're ready to to take that next step. Now they got to make it happen in the league. And last night was the first major step in showing that they can. Oh, absolutely! I just had to throw that out there because that it's not every day that this that Kansas starts to assert its dominance right over the Texas Longhorns, and so we got to make sure to bring that up every chance we can because I hope it continues. <laughs> Uh, but, Brian, we're running out of time, but I do want to say thank you to you for coming and spending time with us again, as you do each week. But there's somebody really cool out in Ellsworth that allows that. So can you give us a little shout-out to those great people? Yeah, go see my buddy Sean at Nimnik True Value Hardware, family-owned and operated. They've always got something special going on. We gave you all the Black Friday and holiday specials the last couple of months, but even in 2022 – go in each week there's something big that they're rolling back prices on so if you're a diy person a do-it-yourself person they've got everything you need for that project coming up this weekend around the house and they'll do it with a smile and some of the best customer service you can find anywhere nimnick true value hardware hardware in ellsworth check them out today always a pleasure my man appreciate you having me on each and every week and uh hopefully james won't duck us next week <laughs> coming up on the schedule I know he's going to start cowering away and staying away from these interviews because we got a bet we got to make. Uh, <laughs> we always have our wagers. So you tell him. I'm, I'm circling it on the calendar here, and I'm going to be talking to him real soon. Yeah, next Saturday, right? It's coming up quick. Yep. So we'll make sure he's in studio next Thursday because he's not dodging that one. I'll be sure of it. But, <laughs> Brian, thanks so much as always. Have a great rest of your day. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, buddy. Take care.
Once again, Brian Haney, the voice of the Kansas Jayhawks, who joins us each week on Thursdays. That's going to wrap up today's show. So we'll return tomorrow, 515 to 6, right here on 1150 KSAL. And, of course, our new FM signal, 106.7 FM. And don't forget, we are also available now on Spotify. So if you want to go back, listen to Brian Haney's interview, or if you missed parts of the show this earlier today or shows earlier this week you can go and do that on spotify just search in the zone on ksal and uh make sure to give us a follow or a subscription get those numbers up and uh, we'll keep putting stuff out there for you to listen to outside of here on ksal right yeah okay jackson schneider signing off we'll see you tomorrow 5 15 to 6